Thanks to Headspace for supporting the AppleBits XL. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. For a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation, go to headspace.com slash AppleBits. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the AppleBits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome. Welcome back, everybody. It's another week of all the latest and greatest news that has surrounded the world of Apple. Things are, I would say, maybe in a little bit of a holding pattern before we kind of hit that summer, fall season where things are going to get really crazy. But you know what? I've been looking at the numbers, and this is an indication that tells me we're getting back to normal because... I'm seeing listeners come back, and the reason why I say that is because for me, I only listen to podcasts when I'm in my car primarily, Uh, and now that people are starting to kind of get back on the road and get back to the commute, I'm seeing it kind of creep up, so if you were gone, I don't take it personally. Welcome back. Thank you so much for hanging with us, and for everyone that is new to this show, welcome as well. Now, before we get to some of the news of the show, let's get to some orders of business. First of all, we've got some great calls this week. I know I've been kind of holding them for the past two weeks, so we got about, I think, five or six of them. All you got to do to be a part of the show, which is a great, great thing, and I love it, it just adds so much texture, is record a voice memo on your phone, on your laptop, on your mobile device, whatever it is, whatever platform it is, send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from, and try to keep it around a minute 30, two minutes at the max, I'll put in the show, and we've got some fun ones this week as well. So I appreciate you being a part and participating. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how many of you have supported my content, including this podcast. I'm so grateful for it. It starts at $2 per month, jumps up to $5, which is like a cup of coffee. Then you got the 10 the 25 and the $100 Platinum Apple level. And when you support me like many of you have and are keeping me in the game, you get early access to my content that includes the podcast and the videos. You get bonuses at different levels and you get a completely ad-free version of the podcast. You don't hear any of that mumbo jumbo. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. And thank you for all of your support. Okay, let's get to the stories. And I think really the biggest news this week, at least when it comes to Apple, is that I don't know if you all saw the latest video that I put out. But I attended the grand opening of Apple's new flagship store, flagship, flagship store in downtown Los Angeles. What they did is they took the Los Angeles Tower Theater, which has been a historical monument. It's been a cultural monument that uh, went out of business in 1988 and then was deemed historical in 1989. The actual original building is pretty unique because it was the first theater in Los Angeles. It was the first theater to have air conditioning and it was also the first theater in LA wired for sound. So it was kind of like kind of like a big deal. Obviously as time has went on, they they couldn't keep maintain and keep up the place. There was like this cool uh clock tower on the top that crumbled during an earthquake in 1971 and so it was just laying dormant. No one was using it. It appeared in a few movies, I believe. Uh actually there's a list of movies that used it, um but I believe Fight Club might be at least one of the most memorable movies that used that building. Uh, if you're talking about a modern movie. And you know the number one rule about Fight Club is, you don't talk about Fight Club. Is that is that exactly what they said? I do remember Tyler Durden. Um, 
Should I not? Should I stop talking about? It? I'll stop talking about it. But anyways, this theater has been completely restored. So check out my video. Um, there's a lot of great stuff in there, and just kind of really, some people were complaining to me on Twitter that oh, you're ruining a historical landmark. And my take on this is that no one would have been able to make this what it is today. It is so intricate. It is so glamorous. I mean, we're transporting ourselves back to 1927 when this thing was made. There's stained glass, there's chandeliers, there's all these crazy like European details on the walls. It is so intricate. And um, I honestly think this is the best flagship store in all of the US. I haven't visited any of the international ones, but the personality, the charm, the detail, I've been a New York's Fifth Avenue store. The Cube is amazing. Uh, it's a great piece of architecture, and but it still kind of has that sterile Apple Store feeling. You got the uh, Grand Central Terminal Station where they have the Apple Store in there, which is cool because it's like an Apple Store in a train station, and it's really vast and open. Um, not as intimate. I mean, people are literally just walking through, you know, for their commutes. And then you have, to me, the third one that kind of stands up tall in the U.S. would be. Apple's Union Square store in San Francisco where they have these huge glass doors that you know mechanically slide open. I can't remember exactly how tall they were, but I feel like they were something like over 200 feet tall. They're like incredible and it gives you this huge amazing view of Union Square, but I would say the most ornate, most decorative, most it has the most personality, the most style and really is a throwback is the Los Angeles Tower Theater store in downtown Los Angeles. And I know some of you do really like to tour, and when you visit cities, you go to see the Apple stores. This is an Apple store you have to see if you're in LA. Bottom line, it's pretty incredible. So check it out, watch my video. That's that's all good and fun. Now, if we get to some of maybe the Apple business, look, I've been ranting and raving about the iPad Pro. I think many of us have. I, I even got a call from our friend Josh Carp, who always calls in the show, who supports the show. Um, I didn't include your call because I was just going to talk about it now, but Apple, everyone's wondering, when are we actually going to see something with the iPad Pro? And again, we know it has an M1 processor inside. Uh, the iPad Pro has never really fully taken advantage of the power it has for at least the past two generations, make that three, including this one. But it, it wasn't even just the M1 processor to me. They put a display on there that matches the XD, the Pro Display XDR, Apple's most expensive display. They put a Thunderbolt port in it. So when you're throwing all that hardware, you are teasing me that you're going to take this thing seriously. And at WWDC 2021, we did not see them take it seriously. In fact, we got features that were really stuff that we probably expected to see last year at WWDC. And then they redid multitasking, which is probably the best thing that they did to the iPad Pro. It's easier to use. It's a little more straightforward. I do think it is improved. But the biggest thing that hold, that was holding it back, and there were reports about it even maybe a week or two ago, is that there's actually a limitation for developers of how much of the iPad Pro's memory or RAM that can access to run its apps. And this is going to be important because the more sophisticated and more complex apps you have, or if you want to do more things with apps and really allocate performance to them, the, the RAM is a big part of that. And so what we just found out actually today is Apple released their latest iPad OS 15 beta 2. So it's the second beta release. And in that release, they basically are now giving developers an option or what they call 
they're introducing a new entitlement that developers can request to Apple directly to expose or get more access to more memory for their app. So again, right now, the limitation is five gigs of RAM. We've got the one terabyte iPad Pro that can that has 16 gigs of RAM, which is the highest amount of RAM really ever offered on either an iPhone or an iPad. And again, you have to remember that Apple's RAM allocation, how iOS runs and utilizes those resources is a lot different than how maybe a Windows machine does. So for example, you know, I was just from real world anecdotal experiences using the 13 inch MacBook Pro M1 processor with only eight gigs of RAM, I was still able to double the export time on my final on a 4K Final Cut Pro project. It was twice as fast on an M1 than it was on a standard Intel fully loaded machine with 64 gigs of RAM. Now that's those are just stats that at least let you know that the way that these machines and this hardware runs is so much more efficient. And again, the fan doesn't go off. It stays cool. It stays as an optimal output for performance per watts. Everything about this M1 and this machine and the hardware and the RAM is top-notch. So when even I talked to some of my friends and when they had finally maybe they hadn't developed for Mac OS or for iPad OS. And they're like, wait, you only get access to five gigs. They were like, damn. Well, in the beta two, Apple's released a new entitlement that will now let developers ask for more access to more RAM. Now, Apple says that this request or what they call entitlement will inform the operating system that an app may perform better by exceeding the default app memory limit. And again, the default memory limit is five gigs. Apple doesn't specifically document how much extra RAM they're going to allow to be exposed. Will they put a cap on that? Will it be somewhere around 10 gigs of RAM? But ultimately, developers can request and now get more access to it. Now, what does that mean for us? And for people like myself that have been screaming at the top of my lungs, right? Well, more RAM is going to really support more complex and more demanding applications. And that is, I'm not saying it's a breadcrumb. Dear Lord, I hope it's a breadcrumb, but I hope that by unlocking this, this is one way to show us that more powerful apps will be able to be utilized on the iPad Pro. And again, this stuff isn't going to happen overnight. But I really, really hope this is one of the first steps. Quite honestly, I was really on the fence, honestly, about just returning my iPad Pro that I bought for 2021. I do love the screen, but the screen is really the only thing that I feel that is different on this device. Nothing else feels different. I don't use it any differently, but the screen is nicer. I can definitely tell that. And uh, so if they can give us this more RAM for more app, for more RAM accessibility to apps to be more complex, larger. What if we're talking about Final Cut Pro finally make it to the iPad Pro? I mean, it almost sounds silly now that we talk about it because it still may not happen, but this is a step in the right direction. Uh, you know, again, I will repeat it. WWDC, we did not see much that inspired us about the iPad Pro and the direction of it. And I outright said, until they take it seriously and show us something that they treat this product with the pro name, with the pro price, and with the pro hardware like a true pro device, 
then I'm still going to be let down. And some people are like, oh, what do you expect from the iPad? They never promised you anything. You're you're right. They haven't. But if you're telling me this is an iPad Pro and you're throwing all those specs at it, you better believe that we as consumers and users expect more from it versus a regular iPad. Because right now, it's still doing everything exactly the same that you could do on a regular iPad. Just a little more juice. Basically, oh, it it could potentially help render your video out faster because it has the M1. Great, whoop-de-doo. It's got to do more than that. So this new entitlement is available for developers to test. It will not be made available to apps on the App Store until later this fall. That's when iOS and iPadOS 15, along with Apple's other bundle of new operating system refreshes, right? We got watchOS 8, we got tvOS 15, and we got macOS Monterey. We will not be able to see any of these apps take advantage of this. And so it's still going to be a waiting game. We're, we'll still, you know, kind of be in a holding pattern. And, you know, the more that I think about it, I mean, geez, I don't want to say, it, but maybe it's 2022 till we actually see something happen where we're starting to see pro apps here. I, it is still a huge disappointment for the record. Uh, but I think sometimes I get numb to talking about it and screaming about it so much that I just, I kind of give up and just roll my eyes and be like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. You know, it's not a crappy device, but you're just, you're really selling it short by not unlocking it to really be what it can be. And Apple, again, I know many of you are thinking, Apple's never going to cannibalize their MacBook Pro sales. And that's right, they don't have to. But they can still give us pro apps that would, quite honestly, be formatted differently purely because it's a touchscreen experience with a keyboard, with a trackpad. They're not going to put the same exact app on this device. They just wouldn't. I mean, at least I don't think they would, even though they could, because the M1 on desktops and Macs is the same processor on the iPad Pro. It's, you know, that they've heard it all. They they know how much we're pissed off and frustrated so we'll see how they how they take care of that also because i told you the new uh the second beta for both ios 15 and ipad os 15 released um i believe there's also second beta for watch os tv os but nothing really significant there the big thing to note is that mac os monterey still no second beta out in the uh for developers yet and we'll still wait in july for the public at least the public beta to actually become available. And so that's when we'll typically see at least a little more polished version. But there have been some tidbits that have come out from the iOS 15 beta 2 that are different. Um, I don't know if you care about this, but the maps icon, the app for maps has been slightly modified. I think it's a little brighter. It's a little bolder. Just in case you want to see it, they kind of moved the, the thickness of some of the lines of the roads. Watch out. Watch out, everybody. Um, I think the biggest thing in iOS 15 that I still have to get used to, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bitch about it yet. But Safari, you have to change your brain when you use the new version of Safari, specifically on the iPhone, specifically on mobile. Now, uh, Safari on the iPad, awesome, love it. Safari on the Mac, love it. Safari on iPhone, they do some different things with moving the navigation bar around and creating your own tabs on specifically on the phone. It's just not as straightforward. And I don't know, I'm not going to complain about it yet, but it, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to get used to. That's all I'll say. Um, some tweaks people have found in the new iPad OS 15 beta two, the new reload button appears in the Safari address bar. If you hover over it, 
Um, it, it didn't before. And you also get the reader icon back in the address bar. So before they kind of really tried to keep the address bar super clean, but I, I think they've realized, okay, maybe we need to throw some of those in there. If you love Memojis, who doesn't love Memojis? I mean, they're fun-ish. You can now create outfits for your Memojis and create the color schemes, um, whether they're dresses, shirts, jackets, or suits. It's actually kind of interesting where you get three colors to choose from for some of these outfits, and you kind of choose the main color, the primary, secondary, and third color, and how this combines. Again, it's not really, like, I, I don't really care, but is it fun for some people that love that stuff? Yeah, sure. Sure, why not? So you can only access the new changes to the second beta if you're enrolled in the developer program. That costs $99 a year, and again, the free public beta will be coming out sometime in July, also in the second betas of iOS and iOS 15, they finally unlocked the share play feature. So this is stuff like screen sharing over FaceTime or working with specific apps. Most, you know, right now, third party apps probably aren't ready to roll with it. But things like, oh, using watching a show on Apple TV Plus with your friends, the screen, the share play stuff is now functioning in the second beta. But if you don't have friends to try it out with, it, it's kind of useless. I mean, I know that I have a lot of uh, tech YouTuber creator peers, but it's not like we talk to each other all the time. And it's not, I want to be able to use it kind of in a day-to-day use with some of my buddies and be like, oh, are we actually using this or not? So I've been skeptical-ish about SharePlay. I don't like the idea of holding your phone up to you while watching a movie on a screen. I think it makes more sense if you're watching it on your desktop or on an iPad and you're all there on the side, but not having the phone be a separate element from it. But SharePlay is now also available in the second beta. All right, everybody, let's give a big thanks again to Headspace for sponsoring the podcast. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and just be better? Well, there is, and if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. So you probably tried meditation before and it didn't work, right? Or maybe you felt like you were doing it wrong If mental health is part of your self-care plan for this year, you really owe it to yourself to try Headscape. If people keep telling you to try meditation, you're like, when? When am I going to have that time? Well, you should check out Headspace. I don't know really what you need or who needs to hear this right now, but here you go. You deserve to feel better than you do today. And you can with Headspace because they make meditation simple. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better if you're overwhelmed. Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need some help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost your focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Now, Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. Now, what I like is how simple it is. It's really clean. The app is colorful as well. It's just not too busy and I have tried a bunch of the different meditations, but my favorite go-to ones are easily feeling overwhelmed. That's one and burned out because I go hard and I need that to kind of center myself. It just helps me slow down, calms me down, but then obviously I have to get back to the regular world, but it absolutely helps. Now you deserve to feel happier in Headspace's meditation made simple 
Go to headspace.com slash AppleBits. That's headspace.com slash AppleBits for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Go to headspace.com slash AppleBits today. All right, let's get back to the show. And this was kind of a fun story that happened earlier in the week. Uh, Basically, let's put it this way. A large amount of users are underwhelmed by iOS 15 and iPad OS 15, according to a survey. So this was a new survey done by CellCell, spelled S-E-L-L-C-E-L-L, just to kind of find out, get the pulse of how people are feeling about the new operating systems that have tried them. The survey asked 3,000 iPhone and iPad users evenly split between men and women aged 18 or over in the U.S., and just ask them what they thought about iOS 15, iPad OS 15, and then even something like the naming of the iPhone 13 lineup, which does that really matter? Well, okay, fine. But over 50% of all the surveys respondents said that the iOS 15 and iPad OS 15 updates are only slightly or not at all exciting. 28.1% rated the updates somewhat exciting, but as few as 19.3% are extremely or very excited about them. So, you know, in the past, we've seen kind of groundbreaking or more game-changing features, and I think this definitely speaks to the reaction of what we saw during the keynote. There were definitely people that are excited for about specific functions that they would use, but I think the overall majority was like, "Mm, kind of of middle-of-the-road feeling. Uh, So it doesn't surprise me that they're not that all excited, but, you know, it's pretty a pretty large amount when you say over 50% of respondents are only slightly or not at all happy and then 28.1 are somewhat excited. So that really tells me that around almost, if you add those up, 78.1 or roughly close to 80% of people are like, uh, it's all right. I don't think you want that feeling around your OS. And I will tell you, using iOS 15 and iPadOS 15 as as the developer beta, uh, there's a couple features I use. I'm like, oh, that that makes a little bit of a difference, but nothing that you feel like, ooh, this fundamentally fundamentally changes things. And it doesn't necessarily have to, but there definitely isn't something that you're like, ooh, ooh, iOS 15, ooh, no. There, there's nothing in there like that for me. Now, if you kind of add on what features that the respondents cared about, 23% of them said that the most exciting upgrade is ID cards in the wallet app. Now, I will caution people just to kind of temper your expectations. I think it is actually really exciting, but your state has to support it. So I got to imagine there's going to be some states where people are like, oh, I love it. I can use my ID in the wallet app and it's not going to support it. And you're going to be let down for now. So I would say just not get too excited yet. 17.3% are most excited about the enhanced spotlight feature. I guess I've used Spotlight and it hasn't felt like it's significantly changing for me. And 14.2% are most excited about the new Find My features. Okay, so some of those new ones were using it with AirPods specifically um, and then other items as well. Okay, I mean, that's all right. I will tell you, I think if you're someone like me who's always in front of computers and always in front of devices, I did not expect this to be kind of a, a, a feature that I cared about. But there, if you recall, there was a thing that they called, which was focus, which allowed you to enable to kind of create different profiles, whether it's like, oh, your do not disturb profile, or I'm with family profile, or I'm on vacation, or let everyone access me. 
So there's an icon on the home, on the lock screen that allows you to change your focus, meaning change the kind of access the privacy. Uh, sorry, how do I explain this? When you change your focus, you basically change your profile for how much information notifications you want to be sent delivered to you and who can actually contact you. So for example, if I created a family profile for focus, I'd only want my family members to be able to get access to me. That's probably what I'm going to do when I'm on vacation on certain days. So I actually found this to be super intriguing. And actually the feature that when I saw the keynote, I didn't really care about it that much. But now that I'm using it, I'm like, ooh, that's a nice feature. You, you do a little bit of setup, but it you'll always see it because it's literally right on your lock screen with a little icon. And I think also some of that reminds me that when they put it in your face, it's going to be a feature that is important to you. I think the other feature that I do like personally as a creator is the live text where it can basically interpret whatever text is on any photos or screenshots you take. That to me actually changes and makes my life easier. And I don't think you have to use it every day to like it, but I think it's going to come in handy. Even just taking a screenshot of a website for information or something, it's pretty good. So those are kind of the two that stood out for me, but you know, I wouldn't say that they made me feel like fundamentally I drastically change how I use my phone. And I think we're gonna have to find out how many people actually use SharePlay. Maybe SharePlay takes off and I have no idea, right? Maybe there's a specific group that really latches onto it. They possibly could, but we'll see. Very few respondents were enamored with many of the iOS 15 and iPad OS 15. Less than 1% of respondents thought that um, iMessage's shared with you feature their health app upgrades, including the fall risk metrics and improvements, uh, all of that stuff. Apple Maps with more transit details, AR walking directions. They less than one percent thought that those were the best new features. FaceTime app has the uh, improved spatial audio. That's something that I want to try. I'm sure it's going to enhance experience, which is nice. Um, you have like screen sharing, the grid view, and portrait mode in FaceTime. Those are all kind of little tweaks. And um, you know, I talked about the focus status. That only attracted around 5% of respondents. So you can tell some of the stuff you're going to have to use before you really get a grasp and feel how it changed your life. But I, I don't know if it's really going to. And I'm not saying it's going to change your world, but it is telling that early responses from, and 3,000 is a good sample size. People aren't too hyped about this. Also, maybe people weren't too hyped about the iPhone 12 mini. I did a video a while back and it's okay. It wasn't that well received. I don't really care 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 but i i basically asked if the iphone 12 mini was a flop and it was just a question to ask in the video but it's not a flop when you consider how many units apple can push because they're such a big behemoth but maybe if you compared it to their other models in the product line you might say oh it it doesn't look too good i don't know if it would be considered a flop but sales numbers clearly are showing that it's not as nearly as successful as maybe the hype around it you know the review hype was really high and I think these reviewers started using it for more than a day. And I think that regular people started using it for more than a day. And they're like, damn, like, this is a nice size, but I, I need more battery juice. So after the iPhone 12 has come out and after it's had, you know, lower than expected sales performance, at least again, relative to the iPhone 12 models, Taiwanese research firm TrendForce claimed that the production of the device has already ended and it's actually reached the end of life ahead of time, which is typically production continues when you have a model that is successful. Well, that may not be the case for the iPhone 12 mini. So production stopped during the second quarter of 2021. 
that means Apple will most likely just sell through their current existing inventory. I bet you that purple one's doing well. I don't know if it really is or not. But the thing is that with production ceased, you can still get the iPhone 12 mini on apple.com. There are no major shipping delays for it now. The device is still offered in six colors, so you can still get all those. The big thing is that it doesn't appear that Apple's going to be discontinuing it right away. It's expected for us to see an iPhone 12 mini in that 5.4-inch display later this year, but rumors, depending on if you believe them or not, suggest that the mini will no longer be around and discontinued in 2022. So it might end its life on the iPhone 13 mini, which is not a good number for good luck anyways. What if they skipped the 13 and just start, it just went straight to 14? Would they do something like that? I don't know. And I talked about it last week, but this week the Beats Studio Buds have launched today. You can pick them up at Apple stores or they ship today and will arrive to many people tomorrow. I'm excited about these because of the price, the fact that I love how they look. I feel like, you know, some people are even saying they fit better in their ears. Like our buddy who comes on the show, Gil Cabrera, he's like, oh, these feel better in my ears already. So I'm going to try and bring them on next week so we can talk about a week with the Beat Studio Buds. I'll have them as well. And uh, I think they're amazing looking and they're not going to have the top tier noise performance. They're not going to have the top tier noise canceling either. But damn, these look really good. And I do think on paper for $149, they look and appear to perform better than the standard AirPod second generation. So we'll wait and see what happens with that. But Beat Studio Pro, sorry, Beat Studio Buds are out now. And in a audio update, I still cannot, for the life of me, find my freaking AirPods Max. And it's starting to drive me a little crazy. It's starting to drive me crazy. Damn, what did I do with those? Okay. All right, everybody, we promised you that we would have calls for the show, and we definitely have calls. The key thing, remember, to be a part of this, call in. Record a voice memo, send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. And give us your name, your number. Maybe you have a fun story or a question to to ask us, just like Patricia from the UK does. Ooh, you're going to like this one. Oh, hello there, Applebits. It's Patricia Reichel from the UK. Really enjoy your podcast. Um, Often walking around UK, listening to it and keeping me informed and up to date. So thank you so much. And um, I'm a computer trainer, troubleshooter, fixer sort of person in in West Sussex in England. And um, I thought of something funny and I thought you might like this. So you had mentioned air tags and you were very positive about them. So I thought, oh, I'll get a pack of four. Um, they look interesting. So I've got one in my bag, which is brilliant. I haven't thought of how I'm going to use the other three yet, but I will. And I was helping a lady who is not so good with technology, but I was sort of trying to bring her up to date. So I was mentioning about AirTags because she has a 50-year-old tortoise that roams around in her garden. And one of her worries is it's going to get lost. And it occurred to me that maybe we could glue an air tag onto the tortoise. So I thought to myself, I wonder what other weird uses there are out there for the air tag that perhaps Apple hadn't considered that might be interesting. We haven't glued um, an air tag onto the tortoise yet. Maybe there's a reason why we shouldn't, but it occurred to me that it'd be quite a good way of finding it um, because um, sometimes it can flip itself upside down and there's obviously danger involved when that happens. 
happens. So maybe an air tag is going to be useful in other strange ways. Um, and perhaps other people can um, chime in with that if they've got any other unusual uses for air tags. Anyway, love the love the podcast. I'll keep on listening and bye for now. Patricia, thank you. I love man. I was laughing that whole time. I was I was listening to that call. That is amazing. Um, I also love. I still can't get over. Never get over. And I love how uh, people in the UK use the word brilliant. It just sounds so nice. Like it can be and brilliant from from at least my experience. And you can correct me and call me call back, Patricia. Please, like you can call back anytime. That voice is silky smooth. It's like brilliant can be used what for clever as a replacement for the word clever or when you're impressed or you really like something. I mean, how, when, what, when are, what are all the uses for the word brilliant? Because I love it. I whenever, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh man, it rolls off like butter. Okay. So uh, first of all, for everyone listening, if you do want to call in with your weird or awkward ways to use an air tags, let's, let's try to keep it PG 13 because when we open that up to the internet to decide what is awkward or interesting or weird to them that could go in a lot of places so um yeah but <laughs> feel free to participate and uh love that call and i you know air tags you got three more left patricia it would be a nice gesture i don't how how would you glue it like would you would you use um like an epoxy i have a buddy of mine who owns two tortoises and actually lost one of them um and then a neighbor late i feel like it was days later They've recovered the tortoise and knew it, but you know, surprisingly enough, because they're slow, you, you'd be surprised how how often that they kind of get loose. So I do think, and if there's a humane way to attach an air tag to the shell of a tortoise, that that's a that's a way. That's absolutely a way. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got my man Jaleel. Um, he has two questions. I'm going to break them up into two parts, and hopefully, uh, we can get to them properly. Brian Tong, how are you? Hope you're doing well. It's Jalil Shaw. Um, I have a couple questions. I hope you don't mind me asking two. Uh, the first one is about the Apple Watch. I just listened to your latest episode about the Apple Watch 7, um, Series 7, and I was surprised to hear that um, they weren't going to have the glucose monitor- monitoring on that watch but also I was waiting for you to say something about blood pressure because I remember hearing that Apple was trying to work in blood pressure um, monitoring in the Apple Watch. And I think um, the Samsung Watch uh, offers that already. So I was wondering, wondering if that's going to happen, if you think that's going to happen, and if so, how soon. Um, I'm honestly still using my Apple Watch Series 2, and it still runs fine, and I don't seem to have a need to upgrade yet um but if they were to include high blood pressure monitoring or or blood pressure monitoring to the apple watch i think that would be my reason to jump um to the next update all right jaleel so you are right and unfortunately uh we've actually heard no word or no rumors whatsoever that blood pressure monitoring is even really on the table for this year's apple watch and you are correct also, uh, Samsung has it right now. The current sensors, uh, at least health sensors that Apple has would be the blood, uh, heart rate and blood oxygen and fall detection, but no blood pressure. Samsung Galaxy, uh, the current Galaxy watch has blood pressure. So 
That's a metric that is not part of the Apple Watch. We The latest rumors that we heard from Mark Gurman, and you all know that for people that don't know, just to kind of get you up to speed, is that Apple was looking and potentially putting a body temperature sensor in the Apple Watch for 2021. But according to his report, that looks like it's going to be pushed out to 2022. And then for anyone that was hoping that the blood glucose sensor for measuring blood sugar, non-invasive, right? And so you wouldn't be pricking yourself, but it'd be somehow incorporated into the sensor under the base of the watch that touches your skin and and potentially is able to pull and measure the sugar levels from your, basically your sweat. Uh, that That's not happening either. And it said that that sensor said to be coming out in the future, but not even targeted for 2022. And a lot of people in the medical field had been skeptical or people had written to me and said, that's, there's no way it's happening yet unless Apple cracked a a super mystery nut. So 2021's Apple Watch could be a, another kind of a tweener product. And I'm not blaming them for it. I think that depending on how much they were able to collab and their developmental teams during pandemic, clearly it limited a lot of things. And they were actually able to put out so many crazy products last year. But you got to imagine that had to have some effect on what's happening this year. So we'll wait and see. But as of now, no blood pressure at all, no expected, no blood sugar sensor expected in 2021. Not even this um, recent development of a body temperature sensor expected. So, it, you know, Apple Watch is supposed to be kind of the king of one of those devices that has the potential to be the all-encompassing, I guess, the best health watch sensor out there. Um, but you would argue... You could argue to say that it could lean towards Samsung's direction if Samsung gets the blood oxygen monitor on top of the heart rate, on top of the blood pressure, and then Apple's just kind of hanging out here. So we'll see what happens. Okay, next question for you, Jaleel. Uh, my second question is about Apple Music. Uh, you know, as you know, I'm a musician, and when this pandemic hit, I had to really um, make some steps to move things to you know, um, virtual, virtual performances and, and uh, virtual lessons. And I want to thank you again for helping me out because you helped me out with figuring things out as far as getting lighting and, and, um, and uh, whatever devices I needed to set that up. Um, but when I look at Apple Music, I feel like they kind of dropped the ball with this because I feel like this was a great opportunity for Apple to start doing virtual performances with um, different groups online. Um, and they could have had so many great performances from so many artists that are signed with um, Apple Music exclusively. And just any artist that's, that's, um, that you can listen to on Apple Music, I just wondered why they didn't take advantage of that opportunity to have you know, virtual performances for those people that subscribe to Apple Music. I think that would have been amazing in these times. Um, that being said, things are slowly coming back, and I'm looking forward to playing again. But um, they're not back 100%, and I f- still feel like Apple can still jump on that. Um, even if things do go back, people love to watch performances from home, and I think they can do that a little more frequently than they probably do now. Just wanted to know your thoughts on that, and uh, thanks again for everything, and hope you're well. All right, Jaleel. So thank you for that call, my man. Um, Jaleel helped out and actually performed a beautiful uh, musical note uh, with his saxophone during kind of when pandemic started. And I did a couple feel good live streams just to kind of lift people's spirits up. So Jaleel uh, is really 
a friend and someone that I really appreciate and is an amazing musician as well. So if you can check him out and search for him, uh, go do that. But I think in regards to your question about performances, Jaleel, the thing is that, you know, you're right. They could have taken advantage of it. I think also artists were a little taken aback by it and weren't sure what to do, especially, you know, I, I do feel like Apple, when they have some of these quote unquote high profile artists, they they may not be as comfortable or okay with the more intimate, unplugged type atmosphere, acoustic environment, and it's all about the show. I will say that if there were performances, I don't know if they would be bundled with the service or not. Uh, I would absolutely watch them. I mean, I paid for, so far at least, I think I've paid for like three virtual conferences, virtual concerts from BTS. (laughs) I'm not trying to get y'all on the BTS train, but come on now, they're amazing. Um, But yeah, so I'll do it. And and I'd do it if it was an artist that I cared about and wanted to support. So maybe we'll see some more of that. I think things are changing. Think every the way that we all do work is changing. I, it's hard for me to imagine seeing things getting back to exactly the way they were. Whether it's some people right are now permanently going to be telecommuting work wise. Some people will go in half time um, for performances and things like that. I think that will roughly be the same entertainment wise, but. The fact of offering more digital options, maybe on top of live conferences, live concerts. I keep on saying conferences. That that could be a solution too. So we'll see. But thanks for calling in, Jaleel. Appreciate it, bro. All right, next up we got Jordan. We got these next two calls that are from earlier because I kept on. I had guests on and I wasn't able to talk about specifically WWDC, but these comments are still relevant, and then we can kind of update them with commentary as well. So let's get to our first call. This comes to us from Jordan, who wants to talk about some of his thoughts. Hey, Brian. Jordan from Columbus calling in real quick. So I want to talk WWDC, and overall, I'd give the presentation about a 7. But the more I think about it, the more some of these things just kind of frustrate me, and it feels like a catch-up from last year. Like, why didn't we get App Library or home screen widgets on the iPad last year when they introduced it? or spatial audio support for the Mac and the TV, Apple TV last year? Or why don't we still have a weather app on the iPad? It's just these little things that I feel like they're drip feeding us over years and years when they could have added them a long time ago. There's also missing features for me, like cross-progress of music like Spotify has. I know this is just something I'm making up and wishing for for myself, no promise that Apple would do it, but come on, that would just add magic to the ecosystem. And isn't that what the Apple ecosystem is all about? That little magic? I also feel like this is two years in a row that Apple hasn't known what to do with the watch software. Last year, we got hand washing and dance detection. And this year, we got a photo face. Like, I don't know what to do with that. Hopefully, they uh, come up with some more ideas with the hardware this year, I guess. Speaking of hardware, I guess I'm in the minority in that I didn't care to see a MacBook Pro this year. It just would be a faster MacBook. I'm more excited about software at this point in time. That's where the interesting differences come from. Hardware just feels more or less the same every, every year. Just incremental upgrades. Even though I know the new Apple Silicon processors blow everything out of the water, it just would be faster. I want to see the cool new features to take advantage of all that power. And I'm really wondering if Apple will do anything super cool to take advantage of that machine learning and all that M1 power. But I guess the iPad has shown us no. Thanks, Brian. Love the show. Bye. All right, Jordan. Thanks for that call and a lot of great points you make in there. Um, I'll, I'll first, hopefully I can remember everything you talked about. But let's talk about the, uh, 
when you talked about machine learning and the neural network, uh, so what Apple hasn't really shown off to people yet, and they showed it off to us after the iPad Pro first came out, is that there are a lot of developers that are actually building apps that are taking advantage of the neural network and doing things that, quite honestly, I've never seen done by any app. So a great example of how kind of crazy and wild, and this is just one example. I think they showed us like two or three. I Maybe I could get into two examples. Okay. One of them was a tennis app. And what it did is if you, let's say you position your iPad or even your iPhone, but this is really for the iPad, you position it at like one end of the tennis court. So it's able to not only see the tennis court lines, but according to them, and they showed us a video demo of it, it's supposed to show, it it could basically be a play-by-play call for your tennis match with your friend at the park or at the rec center. You put your iPad on one corner, it knows exactly the boundaries. It knows who's serving and who's starting based on when you start your match. It, it will call out the score like 15-30, 30-30, you know, or sorry, 30-love, 40-love, and then point. It, would, it literally is an app you just put on your iPad, put the iPad on one corner of the screen, and then just let the speakers play, maybe even connect it to a Bluetooth speaker so you can hear it. And it would call the match and even out of bounds with your friend. And that's only purely because of the neural network being able to identify this and then quickly respond and react and give you those quick responses. That was kind of crazy. The other cool one that they showed off was a like a notation taking app for musicians. So in the past, a musician might have to like compose something on an app and then like you know put in the notes. Hand if people that are musicians are familiar with this, you know you would you'd write out your notes, you know, and then the iPad would transpose them and then play that. You could make corrections and tweak it however you want. Okay. Or you could play on like a digital keyboard and then through the app maybe, and then it would, you know, compose that and transcribe those notes. Well, on this new app, you don't even, you won't have to be hampered by any type of keyboard. You would be able to play your song, let's say from a piano. The microphone itself would hear what you're playing. It would accurately compose the song and transcribe it and then even crazier you could then choose different instruments that were built onto the app and listen to that song that you played on a real piano that was recorded by your ipad sucked in transcribed and then shot out with different instruments that are available on your ipad app to hear what it sounds so that's when we're talking about that next level it's really coming down to you know the neural engine at work or the machine learning that it does. Uh, those apps are not available yet right now, but they were shown and described to us as this is what's happening, this is what's coming. And at the same time, all I want to see is Final Cut Pro. But you know, someone who plays basketball, how amazing would that be to you know be able to prop up something and have a play-by-play call out baskets or three-point shots and scores with your friends? That's that's kind of, if it can do that with tennis. It could definitely do that with basketball. I mean, okay, fine. Basketball is a little more complex because there's five bodies. But if it could track the ball and understand that, hey, maybe it does. So that's kind of the potential. I think also when you talk about how, um, you know, looking for more power, or sorry, not looking for more power, but for looking for software to really kind of take advantage of the stuff that you have. I think the big thing is not only, I do agree with you 100%. But for me, the biggest thing is the reason why the M1 is important is, yes, it has beast-like power. And most consumers won't ever have to take advantage of that. But the other benefits that are consumer benefits is it's super quiet. The fan on any M1 machine I've 
worked on based on the type of work that I do with 4K video and multiple layers has rarely gone off. The only time I've heard the fan is later into the export. I mean, I got to put my 16-inch 2019 MacBook Pro in a freezer for 10, 5 to 10 minutes to cool it down before I do an export just to make sure the export is good. And yeah, it's hot in the area where I live, but do you, should you have to do that? No, you should not have to do that. So not only is it more you know powerful from that standpoint, the fan does not go off and it you get better battery. So I, I take the M1 as not only is it powerful, but we're getting better power efficiency, a quieter machine, and more battery juice on top of the monstrous performance. So that's why I love it. So, and again, I agree with you, software over hardware, but I think we're at the point now with the M1 where it's a generational jump and you can take it, you can enjoy both and um, kind of really get the benefits of both, but software comes after the hardware. So I, I think that, you know, it's been about, it's going to come up to around a year since the M1 comes out. We're going to have the M2 generation come out. And after that, I expect by 2022 for us to really see software that can really take advantage of the stuff. I mean, we're going to start seeing things by the end of this year, but I think it's 2022 where the platform starts to really explode. And that's where we kind of see it, quote unquote, spread its wings. That was me flopping my arms in the air. Like I'm literally flopping them to simulate Oh, wings. Hey, sometimes you get loopy when you do this podcast on your own. <laughs> okay. Next up, we got Trevor calling in to talk about WWDC thoughts as well. Hey, Brian. This is Trevor from Arizona. Hey, just quick thoughts about uh, WWDC. And uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed because, you know, I, I followed all the hype and everything. And I was kind of excited for different things that, you know, that didn't really happen. But after thinking about it for a little bit, you know, Apple's just, they're, they're just really smart about it because... If they had released, you know, a new computer or a new chip, let's say, that's all everyone would, would, would be talking about, you know? that They'd be talking about the M2 or they'd be talking about the new MacBooks or whatever. But now that since they didn't do that, everyone can kind of step back, say like, okay, it's not here yet, but let's focus on the other improvements, the, the little things that aren't quite as exciting, but I think that's what Apple wanted people to focus on. So I think they know what they're doing. They, they definitely know what they're doing. Just, I hope you didn't sell your MacBook ahead of uh, thinking somewhere coming. <laughs> anyway, love the show. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, there's no way I would have sold my MacBook Pro, but you do make a good point. Someone actually had called in, I think, up from my live stream with a similar point of, oh, the focus can be on the software. And it's important because I think, like I talked about that earlier survey, the, the interest was people are kind of lukewarm on it, quite honestly. And so... If they're all if they were already lukewarm and they released a MacBook Pro, they weren't going to talk about it. Um, I do still feel pretty strongly that one is coming within the next one or two months. I could be wrong. I, I do really feel strongly that at, we are going to see it by the end of the year. I don't. I really don't doubt that at all. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I think that you know Apple. I talked about this. I think in last week's episode. Before we used to kind of really focus on four key events for Apple. They would have a March event. They would have WWDC. They would have a uh, fall event, kind of like the September music event. And then they'd have something around November. I think you're starting to see here, I don't know if their brains changed with pandemic or whatnot, but Apple is becoming almost a company where they're releasing something or doing something new and newsworthy at least once a month. 
Uh, that's great for the news cycle. That's great for me for content, but it's also makes it really incredibly busy as well. But they have think of all the product lines and services that they have now. They they could easily do something once a month just to be in our brains. Like they're living in our head rent free already. Oh, they 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 can live in our head even <laughs> whatever more than rent free is like into our true subconscious. That's that's where they're getting at because they they could just drop an announcement anytime. I mean, I think people are waiting for the public beta from WWDC, so they get all the they get all the kind of tail end of WWDC. You get people frustrated about the MacBook Pro and the iPad Pro, so they're still talking about Apple. Then all of a sudden in July, we're going to see the new public betas released, and so people are going to get their hands on. They're going to talk about that. Then I wouldn't be surprised if they release something, even if it was just AirPods third generation at the end of June. They do something in July. Maybe it's MacBook Pro. I'm all. I'm just prognosticating. This is not real. We get to August. Who knows? Maybe they do something else. And then September is like the iPhone event, Apple Watch event. They. We still haven't talked about MacBook Air. We still haven't talked about like their iMacs and Mac Pros. There's so much stuff. Maybe they put out another HomePod because it still seems weird to me that they completely just got rid of the regular HomePod. There is so much stuff that they can do. Where only in June. I could literally list five to six product categories that they could release something each month and we'd be good for the end of the year. So Apple is, they know what they're doing. And to your point, keeping the focus on iOS and iPad OS and Mac OS Monterey, even if they weren't quote unquote groundbreaking or earth shattering, you know, they're doing it for a reason. They have, they have this all planned. I mean, they put out, they opened up the Apple store last week. That was kind of, or this week, geez, see how time flies in my head. That was a big deal, and now there'll be something else. So we're just we're living in an Apple world, people. I, I actually hope not, but <laughs> I enjoy it. But no, let's let's not get to that level. Let let's not. All right, everybody, that's gonna do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We got to give a big shout out to our Patreon Platinum Apple supporters at the $100 level. That's Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you so much. Thank you, all of you, for your incredible support. Uh, just a few notes before we go. I did pick up some more Apple shirts from campus for Patreon supporters. I have not done the random raffle giveaway. I have the sizes lined up. I just need a little bit of breathing. I was out of town, and then a couple days I was off-site doing some shoots. So trust me, the fruits of that labor will be coming. But Patreon supporters, you're going to get a chance to win, I think, maybe one of eight or ten t-shirts that you can only find from Apple Park in Cupertino that I picked up. Just a small way to say thanks. And then for my Platinum Apple at the $100 level, I actually have now thrown in a thing where I'm going to get you a shirt of your size. It's just a way to say thanks to support me at that like really, really high tier monthly. So thanks again, everybody. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support all my content early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of this podcast that you're listening to. Also, participate, be a part of the show, call in applebitshow at gmail.com, record your voice memo, throw it in. We got some great calls this week, and I thank you for continuing to kind of drive this and participate. It really makes it fun. But that's going to do it for this week. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Take care and be safe. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace. Peace.